Amen. Please turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13. That's page 1014 in the Black Bibles. We're in a sermon series on our identity in Christ. And so for the last several weeks we've been just rejoicing in and considering God's amazing love and grace as he is saved us through the finished work of Christ. And we, we um, early on in that series, we looked at how the Holy Spirit unites us with Christ through faith. And then because of that union with Christ, there's many truths about us. Because of our union with Christ, every Christian can know for certain That I am declared righteous in God's sight. That I am an adopted child of God. That I am a new creation. And so today we want to consider another glorious aspect of our identity in Christ. And so for that we want to read this text here in 1 Peter. So I'd ask the congregation to stand please in honor of God's word. We're going to read 1 Peter Chapter 1, verses 13 through chapter 2, verse 12. So please follow along as as I read. Let's hear God's word together. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, But as he who called you is holy, you also must be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. To offer sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold I am laying on Zion a stone, a, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, 
and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Father, once again, thank you for your word. Please speak to us through your word. Show us who we are in Christ. And for any who don't know you, Father, please give them faith. Give them the new birth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, today... I want us to consider the, the title saint, the word saint. It, that word is used over 60 times in the New Testament. And as we consider our, our identity in Christ, saint is an important term for us to understand. So I, I've organized our time today around three, three questions regarding this, this word saint. Who, what, and so what? Okay, so let's start with who. Who is a saint? When we see the word saint, who is it referring to? Who are we talking about? That's important for us to understand because there's some different ideas out there about that. In the Roman Catholic tradition, there's only a few remarkable people who've died now who are considered saints. They, they, in, in the Roman Catholic belief, those people... Um, achieved something remarkable that made them worthy of being now considered a saint. Whereas there are several Protestants who think of saints as exceptionally good people, exceptionally holy people, exceptionally pious people. You know, if somebody really is just um, walking closely with the Lord, they're a saint. But the truth is, And what we see throughout Scripture, again, over 60 times, is that every Christian, every believer in Christ is a saint. We know this because the Bible addresses all Christians as saints. When the Apostle Paul writes his letters to believers, right, he's writing to local churches. You know, whether it be the church in Corinth or the church in Colossae or the church in Philippi. When he writes those letters, at the beginning of those letters, he He'll put who he is, right, the author, but then he'll say who it's to. And he addresses those letters to the saints in those churches. Ephesians 1.1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in, in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Colossians 1.2 says, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. And it's not just Paul. Jude, in verse 3 of his letter, said when he's explaining why 
he wrote this, of course, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. He's talking about, I'm, I'm writing to appeal to you to contend for the gospel that's been given to his people. In Paul's letter, personal letter to Philemon, he thanks God for Philemon because, verse 5 says, I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And then later in verse 7, he says of Philemon, For I derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. You get the idea, right? Every Christian is a saint. It's not just an elite class. It's not just the super holy Christians who are considered saints. Think about the the church in Corinth. Do you remember when we went through that letter together? The church in Corinth had some serious problems. They had some serious theological problems. They had some serious moral problems. But yet even they... (laughs) We're addressed as saints in 1 Corinthians 1-2. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So every Christian is a saint. Being a saint is not based on what you've done. It's not based on how holy you are in the moment. It's rather uh, who you are in Christ. Being a saint is a matter of position not performance. Every person God saves is given the, the, the position or the status of being a saint. So, that's our first question. Who? If you're a Christian today, you are a saint. Secondly then, what? What is a saint? You're telling me that every Christian is a saint. Well, what does that even mean? What does it mean to be a saint? Well, saint... Saint comes from the same Greek word that is translated sanctify or sanctification. So a saint is someone who has been sanctified. You say, okay, well now let's define that, right? What does that mean? Well, the basic meaning of sanctify is to separate or to set apart. So a saint is a person who has been set apart Specifically, a saint is someone who has been set apart from this sinful world and set apart to God, to the Lord. So this is important for us to understand as as Christians, isn't it? We have been set apart to the Lord. In the Old Testament, we read about, uh, you know, cups and bowls and utensils, other articles that were set apart only to be used for uh, service in the, either the tabernacle or the temple, right? They, they were being set apart. They were being sanctified for God. They weren't to be just used in everyday common use. No, they were for the Lord. Well, likewise then, When God saves us, he sets us apart to be used by him. He sets us apart for his glory, for his use. The Bible teaches that Christians are a people for God's own possession. So that's another big truth I want us to get out of this today is as as Christians, we are set apart for the Lord. And that along with that, 
we need to understand we are a people for his own possession. We heard that just a moment ago. Well, for one, we heard it in our scripture reading in John 17, but then also in 1 Peter 2.9. So if you're still open, look at that there. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen race, right? He's talking to the believers. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that he may, or excuse me, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You're his people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Parallel verses, Titus 2.14, which says, Who, talking about Christ, gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Do you hear in both of those passages this being set apart from something and being set then apart to God? Right? being separated from the world, being called out of darkness, being separated from bondage to sin and lawlessness, and being then set apart to the Lord because we are his people, his possession. So that is an awesome thing. And that has all kinds of implications for our lives, doesn't it? Here's a big one. Right? Here's a foundational one when it comes to being a follower of Christ. And that is, as saints, or we could even just say as Christians, we no longer belong to ourselves, if you want to say it that way. We belong to Christ. Again, this is a tremendous honor. This is also a tremendous calling on our life. Our lives are not our own. Listen to 1 Corinthians 6.19. Word of God there says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. If you're a Christian today, then you belong to Christ He has purchased you by his shed blood. This means your life is not your own. I mean, you know, we could say Christ owns you. Christ owns me. We belong to Christ. And that's what it means to be a Christian. That's why we say it's trusting in him as our Savior and following him as our Lord. That's the confession of the church, right? Jesus is Lord. He is Lord of my life. He owns me. As Christians, we are no longer then to live for ourselves, but to live for Christ. Or as 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, to live for him who died for us. We die to ourselves because he died for us. And now we are to live for him. And so, again, that has, I mean, it goes beyond just like, oh, well, what's an application? I mean, that's like a whole reorientation of my life, right? May we not, as Christians, think, well, okay, I'll give God 10% of my money, and I'll give God 
an hour or two on Sunday of my time. No. God owns it all. All that we have is the Lord's and he lets us be stewards of it, right? He entrusts it to us. Our, our money, our resources, our health, our time. And so it's not us just giving God something of ours. It's no, God, it's all yours. How do you want me to steward it for your glory? What are you calling me to do? Our lives belong to him and should be lived for his glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. In that 1 Corinthians 6 passage, You've been bought with the precious blood of Christ, so glorify God in your body. So again, I'm just trying to help us see the, the paradigm shift here. This is what it means to become a Christian. As Christians, then we're no longer to live for ourselves. We're no longer to think we're free to just live any way we choose. No, we belong to God and, and we belong to Christ. He is, he is Lord. And so we are to follow him. What he says in his word to his people, then that's our authority. And our lives are to be lived for his glory. And so every decision I make should be made in dependence on him and in relation to him and thinking about, does this bring glory to God? Is this what God is calling me to do? And again, when I say every decision, I'm not talking about like, you know, should I have toast or cereal for breakfast, right? But I'm just talking about daily as we live our lives, right? Let us orient them to the Lord. So already we're seeing the, the call that is involved in this, in this uh, identity of being a saint, right? But now let me share some encouragement about that. An encouraging thing to understand is, again... Being a saint means we've been set apart from sin and set apart to God. And this is not just a label change. This is not just a name change that's taken place. As we saw last week, we've been made new creations. This is a whole change of our person. Like all the truths that we've seen about our identity in Christ, being a saint flows right out of our union with Christ. We are sanctified In Christ Jesus. I don't know if you caught that in one of the examples I read earlier. But that's what Paul said as he began his letter to the Corinthians. Listen again. 1 Corinthians 1-2. To the church of God that is in Corinth. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus. Called to be saints together. With all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord. So I mean he was kind of repeating himself right. Because saint means to be sanctified, but notice he says to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. It's through our union with Christ that we're set apart. And I'll say more about that in a minute, but here's another example of how this happens through the Holy Spirit. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says, But we ought always, we, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So understand the fact that we're saints. That's just pointing to the, this whole gospel transformative change that God has accomplished in us. The Spirit sanctifies us in Christ. The Spirit 
sets us apart. How? By uniting us to Christ. Well, what does that entail? Well, as we talked about last week, by God's grace, the Spirit comes to us, comes to us who are dead in our sins, who are enslaved in, in, in sin, who are in the domain of darkness. And what does the Spirit of God do? He gives us new birth. He gives us new life. He gives us faith. And through that faith in Christ, then He unites us to Christ. And in so doing, He calls us out of that darkness. He calls us out of that bondage. He calls us out of the domain of, of darkness, as Colossians 1 says. And He makes us new creations. He sets us free. He gives us his spirit. He places us in Christ's kingdom. So again, saint is not just, it's not just a, a, a change of, of label. It's not only a change of address. It's an entire change of person. You've been set apart from this sinful world and set apart to God. You've been delivered out of the domain of darkness and placed in the kingdom of Christ as a new creation. So that is good news. Because then that reminds us that we are new creations. That we have new hearts that love God. And hearts that are no longer in bondage to sin. And that we have the Holy Spirit inside us. That we're grafted into the vine of Christ. And that Christ is the source of our, our ongoing life and strength. And so... Then as we're seeking to live out as, we are to be, as we've been called then as saints, we realize that all comes from God. That comes from who I am in Christ. And that leads me then to our third and final question. Right? We've seen who, who's a saint. Well, every Christian's a saint. Well, what does that mean? It means to be set apart, to be brought out of sin, brought out of bondage, and set apart for the Lord. And so the final question is, so what? What difference does it make that I'm a saint? Well, we've already kind of been talking about that, haven't we? We've already pointed out that the entire orientation of my life has been completely changed. I am no longer to be living for myself. Christianity is not just Oh, well, that's good. You know, I, I certainly, who wants to suffer in hell? Now I'll bring that. Now that's going to bring all kinds of blessings. And now I can just keep being selfish and, and, and pursuing my own kingdom, right? That's not what it means to be a follower of Christ. No, now I belong to Christ. I've been set apart for his glory and his pleasure. I'm no longer to live for myself, but for him, that's the so What? But I want to give you three specific applications that flow out of that. That flow out of this whole reorientation. First is be holy. Who are you in Christ? You're a saint. So what difference should that make? Be holy. Saints can also be translated holy ones. Because when I was talking about being set apart Probably some of you were thinking, well, isn't that what the word holiness means? Yes. <laughs> right? God is holy. He's completely other. He's set apart. He's distinct. And because he's holy, we are to be holy. We see that throughout Scripture, don't we? Back in the Old Testament, Israel was God's holy people. They were chosen by him. They were set apart to serve him. Israel was to be a holy nation. Why? Because God is holy. Likewise, now in the New Covenant... Christians have been set apart from sin 
in order to serve God and bring him glory. Like we saw in 1 Peter, he says, Be holy, for I am holy. Now again, let's not get this backwards. We do not do that to try to earn God's approval. We do not do that to try to earn his favor. That is all ours already in Christ. This is, as we've seen several times in, our, in this identity series, what we are called to do is to be who we already are in Christ. You've already, you're already holy in the sense of being set apart for the Lord. Now live that way. You're already loved by God. You're already forgiven, counted righteous in Christ. Right? Now bring him glory. You're already a new creation. Now live out that new creation. So, again, don't get this backwards. Don't think that you need to do this to earn his favor. This is a grateful response to God for what he has done for us. So, that's why we can say in, in... when we talk about um, the Christian life, we have been sanctified in that we're already positionally set apart for the Lord, been made new creations, we're already in Christ. But then we are being sanctified, right? We call it progressive sanctification. The Spirit is working in us to make us in practice what we already are positionally. And that's why it's appropriate to talk about this in the form of an application, because when it comes to positional, when it comes to what we could call justification or our initial positional sanctification, we had nothing to do with that, right? That was all God. So it's, it's all through the finished work of Christ, it was through the Spirit's regenerating work in our hearts. That was all Him. Now, when it comes to progressive sanctification, it's still all His power. And it's still all his life, but he calls us to cooperate with him in working out our salvation in fear and trembling, for it is he who works in us. And so just like we see in 1 Peter, he, he commands them, be holy. Be holy. Live this out. So we cooperate with strength and power that comes from God, comes from the Holy Spirit. I've mentioned the 1 Peter 1.15 about you shall be holy for I am holy. Look again at 1 Peter 2.9. That's kind of been our main text today. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. See how he's using all that language that used to describe Old Testament Israel. Now it's, it's describing new covenant believers. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Then where does he go? Verse 11 of 1 Peter 2. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. You see how the foundation is what God has done in us through Christ. But then in light of that, we're to be... To live differently. He's already set us apart. And now we're to live distinct lives. So that others see a difference in us. Not so they brag on us. But so they give glory to to the Lord. 
So this, again, is an important one, and I'm, I'm spending more time on this application than I will the others. Um, but my, my prayer for us in these messages is that we'll know who we are in Christ. And we need to remember that we've been set apart, that we're Christ's own possession. And it's easy for us to forget that, isn't it? It's easy for us to forget that we have been called out of this world. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. Too often, we, we just blend right in with the world, don't we? Too often, there isn't a distinction. Too often, we don't look set apart. We're, we're pursuing the same things. We're, we're, we're finding our joy and satisfaction and all this, our security. We're complaining about the same things. We too often look just like the world, and that's when we've lost sight of who, who he's made us to be in Christ. We've lost sight of the gospel. We need to reorient ourselves back to the truths of the gospel. So I would just encourage you today to, to think about that in your own life. Are you blending in too much with the world? And again, we're not talking about being obnoxious or being an oddball just for oddball's sake, Right? But are you set apart? What parts of your life are set apart to God? And again, even that's not really phrased very well, right? Our whole life should be set apart. But I say it that way to say, are there areas of your life that you haven't set apart to God? Are there areas of your life that you're still holding on? Or are there areas of your life where you're living exactly like the world? May God show us those areas and give us grace to repent. Because if we don't live set apart unto God, we're, we're living out of character. We're not being who we are, right? We're living contrary to what it even means to be a Christian. Our identity is holiness to the Lord. We are holy in the fact that in the truth that we've already been set apart. And so now, with God's help, let us live that way. We've been called out of this world in order to be distinct. We've been, again, think about all that we've been learning. We've been set free from slavery to sin. Why? That we might serve Christ. We've been called out of the domain of darkness. Why? To shine for Christ. Like we saw from Romans 6 last week. Remember I said, if you're tempted to sin, you could say, and we should say, that is not who I am anymore in Christ. I'm a new creation by God's grace. Well, likewise, you know, take, take the lesson today and say, when you're tempted to sin, say, no, I belong to Christ. I've been set apart for his holy use. I've been set apart for his glory. And so by his, with his help, by his strength, I'm not going to give in to that sin because I'm set apart for the Lord. Again, as we see in Titus 2.14, Jesus died on the cross in order to purify a people for himself. May we increasingly be that pure people, that increasingly be, it's a lifelong process, right, but increasingly be that spotless bride for Christ. So the first application, be holy. 
Second application, be grateful. Again, I was struck by that this week as I just was being reminded. (laughs) We don't deserve to be God's own people, right? We don't deserve to be in the people of God. We don't deserve to be a people of God's own possession. Think about it. By nature, we've all rebelled against God. We were his enemies. Our sin had left us cut off and far from God. We were lost and, and, and uh, bound in, in spiritual darkness. Unable to rescue ourselves. But God, in his grace and mercy, rescued us and delivered us and drew us to himself. We who were far off. Now we are his people. <laughs> Again, 1 Peter 2.10, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have to receive mercy. Praise God for his grace and mercy. God has shown us that mercy through his son, Jesus Christ. He has rescued us through Christ. Jesus suffered and died on the cross so that we could be forgiven and set free from the domain of darkness. So again, I hope you're struck today with questions like I was this week. Like, like just awe. Who am I that I should be one of Christ's people? Who are we that he should have suffered and died in order to purchase us for himself? That's his grace. Because we know it's, there's nothing in us that, that made us deserving of that. It was purely his, his grace and mercy. So truly, God has and continues to show us um, new mercies, unending love, and amazing grace. And so my response should be, our response should be, praise and gratitude. Let us daily express our gratitude and praise to him who has made us one of his people, who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's what 1 Peter 2.9 says. That he's done that so that we will declare his excellencies, will declare his praises, so that we'll give him our thanks and gratitude. So be holy, be grateful. The third and final application today is be secure. Be secure. Isn't it comforting to know that you belong to Christ? Isn't it comforting to know that you are a people of his own possession? I mean, if you give me something, I'm likely to lose it. (laughs) Right? Because I'm just all over the place. Right? Or someone could take it from me or whatever. But how secure is it to be A people of God's own possession. Do you think he loses people? (laughs) Can anyone take people from him? You are secure in Christ. God the Father, as we heard from our scripture reading again, God the Father has given you to his son and Jesus then gave his life to rescue you and purchase your salvation. So you are secure in Christ. Jesus said of his people in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. 
I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. We are doubly protected if you want to think of it that way. Two sets of hands, the Son's hands, the Father's hands, protecting his people. You are secure in Christ. And if you're not in Christ today, I pray you would know that security. I pray you would know um, that freedom. I trust you see that being in this world leaves you hopeless and helpless and and just in bondage to its, its philosophies and pursuits. But in Christ, he rescues you and sets you apart. He delivers you from that and makes you his own. Who wouldn't want to be one of God's people? And that happens through faith, through turning from your sins and trusting in Christ as your Savior. And for all of you who, by God's grace, are his people, Again, be assured, be secure. Christ has set you apart for himself. He's chosen you to be his spotless bride. He's begun this work in us to get us ready for himself. And Philippians 1, 6 says he will be faithful to complete it on the day of his return. And that's good news. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your mercy, for your grace, for your power. For your love, all these attributes at, at work in, in you, in the triune God, Father, Son, Spirit, in rescuing us and setting us apart and continuing to sanctify us and one day glorifying us. We praise you. Help us to be who we are in Christ. Help us to, to be set apart for you. Thank you for what a privilege it is to be your people. Please forgive us for taking that for granted. I know uh, familiarity breeds contempt sometimes. And perhaps the longer we've been in church or one of your people, or we we just take it for granted. Oh, remind us what what a special blessing that is. What amazing grace that is. And may our hearts be lived in, in gratitude and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you stand together, please, and we'll sing another song of praise.